as Harry mentioned at the start, this um, series of preachers this evening is going to be concluding our series on the I am statements of Jesus in John's gospel that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. If you've missed any and want to catch up, they are all online so you can catch up and I'd really recommend there's been some really great ones. Um, but today we are looking at Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I'm just going to read our Bible passage for today before I introduce our first preach it preacher. So we are in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, all who have faith in me will do what I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amazing. So I'm going to introduce our first uh, Preach It preacher today. So we're going to need to give This is Jonah. We're going to need to give him an extra special round of applause. Amazing. Did did that make you feel better, Jonah? A little bit, yes. Jonah. I'll leave Jonah to explain why he needed an extra special round of applause today. (laughs) Well, Hannah claims it's because the Welsh lost in rugby yesterday, but I'd argue that everyone needs a bit of prayer for that because the English didn't play very well either. Um, Wonderful. As Hannah introduced me, um, I am Jonah. I'm a physiotherapist who's working in the Gloucestershire Royal Hospital. Uh, I'm a graduate from UE here in Bristol, and I've been a member of St. Nick's from the beginning. Um, I am Welsh, and I'm very proud to be Welsh. Um, But last but not least, I am super excited to be here this evening with you guys. Um, The words I am, which I've just used, are used by Jesus in the Bible, and I love how they can be used as such powerful words to express our identity. Um, And Jesus too talks about himself in this way, and particularly in this passage, he mentions that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, I'll be talking about the way, and that's what we're going to be looking at first this evening. Uh, In today's society, the knowing which way to go can be very difficult with regards to food. Are we going veggie, vegan? Do we stay meat eaters? With regards to fashion, what brands do we wear? What styles do we choose? With regards to technology, do we use it? Do we not use it? Do we go Apple or Android? The way which to turn can be really difficult to choose between. Particularly as well in our day-to-day, do we choose the way of gossip? Do we choose the way of kindness in our workplace? 
um, and knowing which way to go can be very difficult, sometimes challenging and sometimes scary. Now, my parents were missionaries and growing up, I spent eight years of my life in Africa. Uh, four years of those were in a country called Uganda and in Uganda, corruption was quite popular um, and that meant that there was a lot of disputes between the people and the government and unfortunately that ended up being a lot of riots within the city. Um, and one particular day where me and my siblings, we were all in school, some riots broke out in the city, particularly bad, and they had to end the school day early. The buses weren't running, so they had to call all the parents in to kind of pick their kids up. Um, obviously, it's not the most fun of experiences, so our dad came in. Mum was still at home, worried about everything. Um, dad came in and picked us all up, and as we were driving home, these riots caused disruption across the city, which meant that the route that we were going to take wasn't open, wasn't available. So we had to change our direction. We had to change the way that we were going down to these roads that we had no idea where we were. Um, so as we were going along these roads, they weren't your typical British roads. They were full of holes and not very well kept. So that didn't add to the situation very well. Um, but as we were going down there, fortunately, we came across someone we knew from church. And we kind of chatted to him, and he said he did know the way home. Um, we described that, yeah, we couldn't go this way or that way because it was all blocked and he said no let's let's go this way instead and that way instead and very fortunately he drove us home essentially and got us out of that terrible and scary situation uh, and to this day we're not really sure if he was an angel or not because he saved us and really helped us in that particular example i believe that when jesus is talking that he is the way in this passage i don't think he's strictly telling us that he'll say when to go left or when to go right but more so I think he's talking about how he will direct us and point us towards God the Father. And I think we can also take Jesus' statement to mean that he will also show us the way in which we can act in our everyday life. Um, Jesus and the way he acted and his way to act towards other people, the way that he loved others, the way that he showed mercy and kindness. And, you know, Jesus talks about how he is the way to the Father. That's one of the first points I just wanted to cover. Um, but he also talks about how the Father works through him. Um, as we read in verse 10 and 11, it says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, and it is the Father living in me who is doing his work through me. So not only are we shown how to get to the Father, but I believe that we are shown how to facilitate and to ask God to work through us by calling upon the name of Jesus. Then God is working through us when we do do that. I believe that when Jesus says he is the way to the Father, he is the key that unlocks that relationship with God, that access to the Father means that we can have that eternal life, that eternity that Jesus promises us. And we can only do that by choosing Jesus as the way, which in our lives is the way. So, I mean, going back to an early point I made that Jesus is also the way that we can choose every day when we come across a situation at work, at school, in, in our studies, in our programs. And we can choose the way of kindness, we can choose the loving way, we can choose the relational way, we can choose the way that Jesus would have dealt with a situation. Jesus then tells us that by choosing him, by choosing his way, he is going to be working through us, but we are going to be doing even greater works than he did. And I think this is such an encouragement situation when we feel that so bombarded by everyday life, then we're thinking, oh, if we just choose Jesus' way, then that's him working through us. That's that encouragement that comes through. And it's essentially not us then acting, it's Jesus who acts then through us. But, you know, he encourages us so much by saying that we are going to be doing even greater works. But it is when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we do it as if Jesus would. And this is an encouragement that we can take with us every single day.
at work, um, I've worked for someone who a lot of people gossip about and think badly of, unfortunately, and it's, it's difficult to not treat him in the same way as others would. Um, but I've been praying continually asking God to, you know, fill me with the strength to be able to act differently towards him. Um, you know, I've chosen the way that Jesus would have treated him. I do my best to treat him as I would any other person, to offer him drinks at coffee time and to offer him lifts to different places if he needs it and to offer that time to kind of get to know him. I mean, the way of the world would be to have bad-mouthed him behind his back or to join in with the gossip. But choosing Jesus' way is treating him with that kind of love and kindness as if Jesus would have done. So my challenge and my encouragement to us this evening is that for some of us, it might be that we can choose Jesus as the way for our life, that we can give our life to him and follow him through our lifetime and then access the Father and that relationship that we were talking about earlier. But maybe that's it's re- that you've already done that and you need to choose the Jesus way in a particular situation or with a particular friend or colleague or flatmate. You need to choose the Jesus way when it comes to jealousy or anger or the need to compare yourself to another person. Where do we need to make sure that we are choosing Jesus as the way in our lives? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you speak to us in the Bible by using the words I am, by expressing who you are. And we pray that you continually fill us with the strength that we can choose to act your way in our everyday, with our friends and our families and in every situation, Lord. We pray that you fill us with the strength that we can do that. Help us to continually choose the Jesus way in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Yes, let's give it up for Jonah. Thank you so much. Now, I have the joy of inviting up our next Preach It Preacher, so give it a round of applause to Bree. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for such a warm welcome. Thank you. Um, Hello, I hope you're doing well. Um, As Harry said, my name is Bree. Um, I have recently graduated from the Uni of Bristol. studying psychology um, and this year I have the pleasure um, of doing the leadership development year right here at St Nick's um, with our wonderful student uh, community. So what does it mean to me that Jesus is the truth? My message for you today is when you walk with Jesus you walk in the truth and in the truth you are walking in freedom. John 8.32 says if you continue in my word you are truly my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And true freedom has been something that I feel like growing up, um, I've always sort of tried to get a grasp of. Growing up, I was apparently a very sweet but mischievous child. So pushing boundaries was basically my forte. Yeah, it was a gift, if you will. Um, But over the past few years, uh, my understanding of true freedom has quite greatly shifted. Coming into my early adult years, Um, I was very much a person who unknowingly lived among the lies. Let me tell you this, our current culture has a habit of holding a veil called true freedom over the things that really hold you captive. And I for sure fell for the trick. I was living in this highly glamorized culture of you can do what you want when you want. Go gossip, go drink, don't think about the consequences. Money, sex, popularity, that's what gives you purpose, that's what gives you an identity, that's what gives you true life. And actually, although I called myself a Christian, I was living under the perception that walking with Jesus looked like walking in chains. A harsh, oppressive religion that would merely hold me back from life at its fullest. 
And this world is very sly, it's very sneaky. As it began to shape what I saw as true. My true identity, my true purpose, my true belonging, my true worth was hanging on the words that the world spoke over me. So I was a student who wasn't quite as good as essays as the next person. An employee who didn't quite live up to the expectation, who slipped up. A below standard girlfriend, a number in a system, a subpar friend, insignificant, stupid, rejected, ignorant. Perhaps they sound familiar to you. And the time came where I began to look for something more. Um, and I saw that sort of strange, unexplainable joy of my Christian friends around me. And I began to seek Jesus. And I came to the conclusion that in a world where I was told I would be truly free, I'm feeling strangely captive. I came to the brutal realization that the life I would promise would be full and free was actually acting as the hand that was suffocating me by my own doing. But the harshness of that realization was somewhat dulled by the fresh revelation that I am loved, chosen, and known by a God who has been running after me since the very beginning. And actually, I realized the truth that walking with Jesus does not look like oppressive rules and regulations, but a relationship in which you are sculpted, humbled, and refined by the Father. And what I find um, so powerful sort of about this passage in John is that it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the next sort of part of the verse says, no one comes to the Father unless through me. The lies of this world act as a barrier, preventing us um, from fully knowing, from fully experiencing the freedom of the Lord. It is only when throwing off the lies which so easily entangled me did I walk into a rich, more intimate understanding of who God is. It is only when we begin walking in the truth, walking with Jesus, in the knowledge that we are loved, chosen, and known by him, are we able to better understand who God is and who we are in him. And it can be really hard to live in the truth sometimes. I for sure am far from getting it uh, all worked out. And there are days where I fall back into the lie of, oh, have I really been called here? I'm not knowledgeable enough for this. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too broken. Does God really want me to do that? And I need Jesus to gently remind me of his truth. In a world which claims he is an oppressor, I know the truth that he is kind, stable, forgiving, unchanging, merciful, joyful. And I know my identity in him as his daughter and all that comes with it. When you walk in the truth of Jesus, you are walking in freedom. So I'm going to ask you, where in your life are you not walking in the truth? Perhaps one of those lies I mentioned sort of struck a chord with you. Insignificant, substandard, rejected, too young, too old, too broken. And how are they preventing you from walking into a more free and intimate relationship with the Lord? Let me pray. Yeah, thank you, Father, that in um, a busy, unstable, and dark world, the truth is that we are loved, chosen, and known by you. Yeah, Father, may you gently remind us of your truth daily, and may you speak to us now about, um, yeah, areas of our lives in which we are walking um, amongst lies. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bree. Thank you so much. Amazing. So I'm going to introduce our final preach it for this evening um, to do 
the life. This is Victoria. Let's give up our hands together for Victoria this evening. Um, good evening, church. It's a privilege to be with you all this evening. Um, yeah, my name is Victoria. Um, in my day job, I am um, a lecturer in theology. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just so excited to be able to uh, bring God's part of God's word to you today. Um, yeah, well, I've been coming to St. Nick's since about midsummer, um, and it's just been a really amazing community and family that we found here. So today, I'm kind of ending it with when Jesus says, I am the life. And I want to start by asking you a question. When you hear the word life, what comes to your mind? What are the first kind of images or words that you associate with life? Is it maybe the everyday hustle and bustle of the city, people coming in, coming off buses, trains? Is it people enjoying a family meal, perhaps? Or maybe when you're walking your dog and you think, this is life. The New Testament has three different variations of what life means. So the first one we have is bios, which is, refers to the physical form of life which um, where we get the word biology. The second word is um, suki, which is the, the souls, which is another form of life where all, our, all human emotions and, and uh, attributes kind of sit in the soul, where we get the word psychology. And the, the last definition of life that I'll focus on tonight is zoe, which is the eternal divine life that only Jesus can give. And in John's gospel, John uses this form of life, Zoe, more than any other gospel. And Jesus is always revealed in the context as being the person of sole access to this life. So John chapter 14 is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible, or I mean chapters in the Bible, just before, when we read John chapter 13, a bombshell has just dropped. <laughs> Jesus has just revealed who the betrayer is. He's also revealed he's about to be killed and going to Jerusalem. And the disciples are in a state of absolute frenzy. And John 14 is almost like a palate cleanser. Jesus starts with comforting them, saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he, in this discourse that takes place between Jesus and his disciples, Jesus then assures his disciples and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For life, Jesus reinstates that only in him do we inherit life. And for me, this means life in all its fullness, in all aspects of our physical, our mental and eternal life. And this was a comfort to me as I came out of my recovery. I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 17 and admitted into ICU on the first night I got to hospital. The doctors took my parents aside and said, she has 48 hours to live. And in light of this, my parents took a Bible and they both signed and made a vow to God 
and said that if God would spare my life, I would not study medicine, which was my intended course, intended Nigerian course, <laughs> but I would study theology and music. And theology and music for them was a representation of the word of God and praise and worship. Coming out of hospital, eight weeks later, I weighed four stone, which was about 28 kg. You could count every bone on my body. I had lost every muscle function. I had lost my memory, couldn't learn how to, to learn how to write, how to eat, how to dress myself. Couldn't recognize any member of my family. When I gained some level of consciousness, I struggled to understand how God could do this. And not do this, not to me. I didn't care that what had happened to me. But to my parents. Like Joanna, my parents were also missionaries. We left the UK almost 22 years ago to South Africa. And I was angry at God. I said, how could, how could you do this to people who left everything they've known to an unknown land to come and serve you? And this is how you repay them by making their child sick. So for me, I was very suicidal, and I would cry out to God, and I'd be like, I wish God had just taken me away in hospital. I was alive, but not living. Surviving lupus was the easy part, but truly living was something I had to seek out for myself. Being a pastor's child and growing up in a church, it was so easy for me to be so desensitized and just go with the motions without fully engaging with the direct relationship with God. So as I was recovering and doing rehab, the, the battle was real, but a revelation began to slowly change my thinking and allow me to open up my heart to what Jesus wanted for my life. So I went on, and by God's grace, I was able to study and finish my vowed degree of theology and music, which then opened doors for me to do an MA and PhD in theology. In that path, I was able to find a purpose of what God had set out for me. So when Jesus says, I am the life, it means that he brings life to my body. Like in Romans 8, Romans 8, 11, and the spirit of him that lives in you, that brings Christ from the dead, brings life to your mortal body. It means that he brings life to my soul and to my mind. Second Corinthians, we bring into captive every thought that exalts itself against, against the knowledge of Christ. It means that he brings life to me eternally. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal zoe. There's an abundance of life in Jesus that extends beyond this terrestrial landscape that we're in. And it allows us to actually walk this life with the hope that is heavenward. When Jesus says, I am life, it means that in all forms of life, we have hope. Hope when all is going well. Hope when bad times come. Hope in the everyday hustle and bustle. Hope in the quietness. Hope when you're enjoying your meal. Hope when you're walking your dog. Jesus knew who he said he was. He didn't shrink. 
He didn't say, oh, let me give you some guidelines. Let me give you some tips, some pointers on, on, on how to live life. No, he said, I am the life. Hope is not a phenomenon. Hope is Jesus. But Marley said, no woman, no cry. Well, I say, no Jesus, no life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity we have, Lord, to share your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have revealed yourself to us. And we pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be open and ready grounds, Lord, to have the seeds sown and that it will grow fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Victoria. And can we give one more round of applause for all our preachers this evening? <laughs>